Hi, everyone. Today I have Bashak Gnaydin, and she is a Turkish-American yoga therapist and teacher, life coach, and engineer. She offers a holistic journey grounded in ancient wisdom of yoga and enriched by modern therapeutic approaches, deeply committed to fostering happiness, empowerment, and inspiration, and despite a demanding corporate career, Bashak achieve balance while nurturing her heart and love for all. Her passion illuminates her passion illuminates a path for others to connect to their own light. And her new book, Uncomplicated, is out now. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mary Kay. I am so excited to talk to you. Thanks. I am actually in Turkey and I am at a beach house. And right next to me, there is a big yard work going on. Of course, it happens to be this time. So thank you for <laughs> bearing with me. Oh, that's okay. Thanks. So tell us about what made you come to America and how is Turkey different from America? It seems like everyone has a calling, right? And if you tune into it, that calling can take you to places. And uh, in my life, I've had this calling from a very early age that there was something else somewhere else for me. And um, I was pretty in tune with that from a very young age. And um, naturally, I took a first chance that I get to come to America right after college. I got a job. Um, I was an engineer. And um, I started working in the apparel industry in New York City. This was about 30 years ago. You wrote a book recently, Uncomplicated. Congratulations. What is your Thank book you. about? So my book, Uncomplicated, it's a guidebook for situations, relationships, mm -hmm. challenges you enter in the workplace to de-stress the work environment and rethink the idea of success. So it's a very small book. It's like a pocket book. It's intended to be. Mm -hmm. And in every chapter, there is specific situations that you would encounter in the workplace and how to deal with them, do's and don'ts, and short practices whether it be meditation or breath work, to help empower you to deal with those circumstances. New York City is not easy as a first city to experience in America. How did you really adapt to that world? You know, at the beginning, because I came from Istanbul, another big city, Oh, I grew up with watching New York City in movies, so it seemed very familiar to me when I first came. And being young, I was very excited to be in a fast-paced environment. And at the time, my path was to be a successful businesswoman at the top of the corporate ladder. So it fit perfectly for what it was in that time. <laughs> so you're an overachiever, it sounds like. <laughs> I guess I was. <laughs> you talk about yoga changing your life. Can you tell me what some of those changes were? Sure. Being an overachiever, I was determined that the success would bring happiness, especially business success. Mm -hmm. And I went for the traditional ways of creating that external success. Mm -hmm. But it left me with deep dissatisfaction and confusion about my path in life until mm -hmm. I find yoga. Yoga gave me clarity and purpose, along with kind a life partner, a new career, changing my whole lifestyle and a new community. 
So I was in a high stress work environment with constant travel, maybe two weeks vacation a year. Wow. Now I love the work I do and I live four months a year on the beach doing what I do. Wow. And this is not in comparison with the material, of course, mm -hmm. you make a certain amount of money when you are doing corporate work, but you don't really have time <laughs> to enjoy what you make. Right. Material success is maybe not equal, but my lifestyle and quality of living is on a whole different level. Wow. So that's the biggest change for me. Wow. And you live in Turkey for several months and also in New York still? Mm. Yes, I live about eight months a year in New York and four months in Turkey. Mm -hmm. So you just notice like nothing bothers you? It's a completely different mentality? But you can't really say nothing bothers you, right? Right, right. <laughs> That's pretty impossible. I don't know. If, <laughs> if I was on the beach, nothing would bother me. <laughs> I feel that some of these yogic practices that you do that mm -hmm. cleanses and purifies the mind and body mm -hmm. actually can make you more vulnerable to um, outside influences. But as a layered effect, you have the tools and you learn how to work with those. Mm -hmm. You learn what to identify with and to, to be able to say, this isn't mine. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I need to work on for myself. Or this experience is happening for me to grow. So you start looking at situations, circumstances, people mm -hmm. that enters your life on a different lens. Mm -hmm. So maybe the circumstances are not very different, but your point of view changes. That changes your whole experience because... Life comes from us, right? The life is not happening to us. Mm -hmm. As we change our psyche and our being, then our world changes. In that sense, yes, you seem to be more peaceful. You seem to be much more resilient because of what you learn and what you adopt and practice in life. Mm -hmm. And But that's a continuous practice, right? There's no time like I'm not going to practice this anymore and then I'm going to be fine. No, the <laughs> practice and learning continues. A lot of times jobs literally make people physically sick. They will mm. develop migraines. They will gain weight or lose weight. They will have gastrointestinal issues. They never associate it with the job, it seems. What type of problems do you see in people that are really affected by their job negatively? Yes, this is a huge factor. And I see a lot of mental imbalances that mm -hmm. it creates because people start identifying with external situations mm -hmm. and uh, start losing their own identity. And that creates a little confusion. So mentally, there's a lot of stress in the workplace. And secondly, and by the way, it is so easy to get there uh, because you work for a certain company and then you have to identify with their culture. You have to align yourself with their mm -hmm. point of view. And then it's so easy to lose your own in that. And I see that happening over and over again for people. Right. And then, like you said, the abdominal issues physically, I see that a lot. There's so many abdominal issues because mm -hmm. all the abdominal tension is emotional in origin. Right. So all that tightness, all that not releasing, not being able to have an outlet to let go and holding it in, mm -hmm. 
but then it turns comes into a maybe sometimes a lashing and anger and fear and this all that disrupted emotions mm-hmm. create all these physical ailments in the body so yeah i work with people as a yoga therapist in uh, both physical and emotional mental aspects mm-hmm. of what stress creates in the workplace oh i had a job and it was intense there were very high expectations but i loved the people i worked with and i mm-hmm. went every day enjoying my clients and i i really remember having a positive attitude about the company the culture the people and i looked healthy i felt healthy i didn't suffer from any ailments and then i took another job at a company just for a challenge and that culture was the complete opposite and i remember losing a lot of weight without even trying and feeling mm-hmm. like i had a lot of headaches and overwhelmed and i eventually quit that job when do you know to leave the job or is there a way that you can change your attitude your mental expectations in the current mm-hmm. job That's a great question. I worked with someone for a few years now. She was exactly in the space you were mentioning. She was at a company which seemed like a dream job when she first entered, but mm-hmm. then it became very toxic very quickly. And it was more about personalities, it was more about how it's managed and all that. And she was quickly discouraged and she came to me and she said I need to leave my job. I can't do this. I invited her before she decides to leave the job to reexamine what's happening because generally situations circumstances people that trigger us trigger something about ourselves something maybe not dealt with or unfinished from our past mm-hmm. and I usually encourage my clients like I did with this person to never leave something but go for something it's never the solution to run away from something we always have to have something that we want to run to right because the, the things that we left without resolving them usually come back to haunt us mm-hmm. if they are not resolved so we just first start looking at why what is happening right now and how much it is that i'm able to be objective in this situation and what may be the lesson here why is this happening right now why not before why here why now mhm and this doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with you absolutely not mm-hmm. but there's a lesson in the situation there's a growth happening usually growth always comes with pain that's associated to a little bit of discomfort mm-hmm. and that discomfort is life pulling us to some place little higher forcing us to engage a higher being a higher philosophy a different point of view Mm-hmm. this specific client we did a lot of exercises around that and slowly by slowly she start changing that whole situation and when her manager was telling her that she probably doesn't have a big long career in that company the end of the year she ended up having praise and she ended up having a higher situation and she stayed there for several more years and start enjoying the job enjoying the people engaging with the community now now this doesn't mean that everything is going to turn out that way it sometimes is that you do need to literally leave that environment because that is not beneficial for you mm-hmm. but again before we do that we always want to look at and unravel the current situation that we are in 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting because when I look back, I probably was pining away for my old job. <laughs> and I was so focused yeah. on that, that it's hard to really be effective and, and make the most of it when you're stuck in the past. That is a very good point, too. When we, we all resist change and we all compare, right? We always mm-hmm. have this comparison going on, this and that. Mm-hmm. And that is sometimes in, in our path for growth. That is sometimes not mm-hmm. really beneficial to us. Yeah. You work a lot with young people right out of college or just a few years in the workforce as a yoga therapist and life coach. Can you tell us your thoughts on how to inspire and motivate the younger generation today? Yes, so this Generation Z especially, right? <laughs> they are growing up very different from my generation. Right, right. They have the ability to swipe and change their experience, release boredom, find entertainment in a moment. Right. So naturally, real life seems slow-paced and dull in comparison. Since they can't find everything at their screen, they have less desire to work. And it all comes down to seeking satisfaction mm-hmm. and pleasure for everyone. That's the, our nature, right? Mm-hmm. But we work on the, the need to have a higher reason or a purpose to work. That's what we help them discover for themselves first. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I personally think creating a physical change, change in their routine, is simplest change, getting up earlier, exercising, a journaling. This kind of small movements will create a bigger transformation in life because it creates movement and action feeds action. Right. And third, we need to develop coping skills, resilience to deal with adversities which are sure to happen. So I work on increasing resilience. See, they are smarter than us. They have these tablets and answer to all questions. Mm-hmm. But it's very mental. Mm-hmm. Um We need to look at who they are listening and what they are listening. So we need to listen to them. And when we listen, we see there's all these insecurities. Work is something out there and scary in essence for most. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they know things, knowing and doing are two different things. And doing has to come from an intelligent place, grounded in connection with their heart. Mm -hmm. So I work with opening the heart space. Oh, yeah, that's Yeah, so that's pretty much how I work with young adults, I should say. Because it's true what you just talked about, this immediate gratification and used to getting things quickly. I always feel like with the dating apps, just swiping right, there's this mentality, there's Mm. always something better out there. And you're always thinking that there's another answer, and yet it might be right in front of you, and they can't see it because it creates this mentality in the brain to just, grass is always greener, I think. Yes, <laughs> that's the social media and just the in general media of today. Right. That's their job to create more and more and more demand. Right, and it's true that your first job usually is a stepping stone, and you might not be wildly happy in it because you're going to do a lot of menial work and I think Mm -hmm. they think they should I have this great degree I should be doing so much more and get stuck in being a little more patient so what do you say to young people who get stuck in jobs they hate like how can they make it better hate is a very strong word but I I hear this so much that we hate things so quickly (laughs) I know (laughs) um yeah 
Yes, because there is an idea in the mind and there is this uh, social media showing there is this greater things happening to other people. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of this comparisons. And the first thing is to, to have them understand there is a higher vision. There is a bigger picture. So zooming out to me is always very effective because when we are in a situation that is troubling to us, we are very zoomed in. We can't really see a possibility anymore in that situation. Mm -hmm. So zooming out and looking at the big picture and having them realize whatever experience they are having is serving something greater. Mm -hmm. It's like you said, it's only a small stepping stone in this moment. But whatever skills you are getting here, even mm -hmm. though you think it's menial and you think it's really mindless, mm -hmm. it's actually serving a purpose for you to develop some other skills for something greater in the future. Mm -hmm. But you can't get there from the zero point. You have to start gaining some of these skills, having some experiences, some adversities in the workplace, learn how to deal with those, how to express yourself, how to communicate with others. That will prepare you for larger challenges in life. I really love what you were saying about starting small with little skills, like getting up early in the morning and journaling. What about meditation? How do you mm. meditate? And was it always easy for you? The way that I meditate, I don't teach to anyone unless they have the experience or just the intuitiveness because some people don't even need to have years of experience or they're just naturally inclined to meditate. Right. My meditation is a little bit more detailed. I do a lot of pranayama, specific breath work. I do kriyas, certain kriyas that are coming from a tantric kriya method of yoga from my teachers from mm -hmm. India. Mm -hmm. And then I do a lot of breath and heart focus meditations. But what I teach to people, that especially first starting to meditate, is mm -hmm. meditation needs to be in a long time and small doses to start with because we can't sustain something completely new in our lives. Mm -hmm. If we create it as this like big humongous thing, I am going to meditate an hour a day or even 20 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You do that for a couple of days, then you'll fall off the wagon. We all right. know that life gets in the way. Right. The idea is to create a habit. And for mine to create a habit, it has to be easily adaptable. Little effort, but a big reward. I encourage people to start meditating five minutes a day every day at the same time as possible. Mm -hmm. Once it becomes a habit, I look for a client to come and tell me I'm ready for more or I want to sit more. I, I realized today I actually could sit a little bit more. Then I say, then sit a little bit more. So it has to be an organic process. It's not pushed right. into your throat. Like mm -hmm. you should go and do this type of meditation. And also it changes for everyone. For some people who has a very type A personality, very passionate dispo displeasure, disposition, they need to have a guided meditation with mm -hmm. a lot of maybe imagery, maybe a lot of work, like accounting, all this, so that mind is constantly focused and engaged in something. Right. For some people, they are more visual, so they need to have this beautiful vision when they meditate. Or some people want quiet. Mm -hmm. They start quiet. And then you don't need to speak. Maybe you just have a little chant in the background. So it is very specific, I believe, to each individual person. Mm -hmm. And it just has to be in small dosages at the beginning and 
incre incremental um, increases as it goes. And I also think there are activities that we're doing that are very meditative, like people that mm. are gardening or potters that are working on a wheel or people that go for walks in the woods. Like those are very meditative. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I totally believe in that too. And what is meditation? Meditation is quieting the mind and engaging the mind to something uplifting. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to shut the mind from all the negativity that mind loves to create, all the gossip and all the self-sabotaging type of thought patterns to something positive, just to be in nature, just to watch your step and appreciate the animals and plants, that is a meditation. Or if you're just focusing on what the work that you are doing without any other thought in the mind, that's a focused mind. That's a meditation. Absolutely. So how do you help others to connect to their own light? Are there any other type of exercises they can do? So there is a few things. When I work with clients, I first ask them to start remembering and recording their dreams. I do dream work study. Oh, I and love it. I find that <laughs> magical. <laughs> I do too. I took a dream interpretation oh. course in college. Oh, beautiful. And it was okay. fascinating. Right before every exam, mm -hmm. I always had these high anxiety dreams. <laughs> Not yes, a good... Of course. Yeah. Of course. So, so what did you learn from that? What do we know about uh, dreams? So I learned the shamanistic rituals of dream work. So first we learn how to record and wake up in our dreams and then we learn about lucid dreaming being able to enter into dreams and then we analyze the dreams in terms of the dream characters the symbolisms in the dreams and the emotions emotions are really the main driver of those dreams and the meanings that we drive from what feelings the dreams are giving us yeah. sometimes those scary or frustrating dreams are actually releasing certain negative things in our lives so they are we are, we are actually thankful and sometimes those scary animals that we see or somebody chasing us, I, I, I advise my students to stop. Don't run away. Turn around and ask what you want to ask to this person. Why are they chasing you? you? You hear so much wisdom from those dreams. So we do this lucid dreaming and dream study. And now we start implementing questions into our dreams. Whatever the questions you want to get from life, to, to let that dream give you those answers. So... This is a one way of starting to get in touch with your inner nature, to mm -hmm. start to hear your own self, your own real self to start talking to you. Mm -hmm. And then these uh, small practices that we do, meditation practices, like noticing the uh, mode of nature and which, which mode of nature you are operating from and catching yourself. So start building some awareness. And then the whole idea is to let go of the negative mind and start connecting to your true essence through your heart. So how do we open that heart space? How do we have this loving energy through prana, through breath, from the universe to flow into our heart space? How do we embrace ourselves as our whole self once again from the heart space? So we do several exercises like that. And this is, again, not something like a pill that mm -hmm. fits everyone. Right. We, it, it's very individual work with individual people. This is why I love working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. I, I do a lot of group sessions, but to me, one-on-one -on -one is always so much more rewarding. Because everyone's story is different and you 
can waste time talking about a problem that doesn't relate to you. But I guess everything helps in some way. But as far mm. as recurring dreams, do they mean anything? Yes, recurring dreams, dreams are basically hitting you in the head. Like, <laughs> come on, wake up. Get the lesson already. Come on. <laughs> so there's so a message in them. Maybe it's not mm. maybe a lesson. It's simply a message alerting you or pulling you in a certain direction or asking you to let go, release of something. Mm -hmm. But if you are not getting the message, those dreams keeps coming up. So what about if you have an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend pop into your dreams and you... Mm weren't necessarily pining away for them. I hear this from the teens I work with. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they're like, why mm -hmm. did I start dreaming about him? What does that mean? So it is not really about the person, per se. It is about the idea of a, usually of a relationship. If you are not in a relationship, that's yearning for a relationship. If you are in a relationship, then you are maybe looking at certain qualities of that relationship and you need to visit. And you need to look at what you are not getting from that relationship. Because since you are looking at something in the past that's already complete, that hasn't been serving clearly. So there's something in this current situation maybe you're yearning for that you're not able to even admit to yourself. So those might come up from those past people. Totally They're all messages. Sense. Yeah, that would totally <laughs> make sense based on this person who just told me that story. She was... Mm. She kept dreaming about this ex-boyfriend that she didn't want back, but she was like, what does it mean? Is he thinking about me? Or is it probably because that was a great relationship at its time? She's probably wishing yeah. she could find that similar type of feeling again, maybe? Yeah. Yes. yes. So well, have you had a dream that for yourself that was really insightful in your life that you can share? Yes. The, this book that I wrote came from a dream. <laughs> really? I love that. Yes. Do you know Harry um, Potter was a dream? Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, really? she kept dreaming about the scenes in her books. And she was homeless and uh, had no money. And these dreams kept popping up in her head. And so she wrote the book. And we all know the story of Harry Potter. <laughs> Amazing. That yeah. totally makes sense. Yeah. See, the, the key is this. We all have these kind of motivational dreams that really tells us what to do, clearly. Mm. Right. But most of the time, we either don't remember them or we ignore them. We just think like, oh, it's the hocus pocus. Like, it's not real. Right. But once you start paying attention and start doing things in life, whatever in the dream, start applying and actually doing it in this life, you start having these amazing connections and because they're all symbolisms. They're all our inner self giving messages to us. So in the, this dream that I saw, I was sitting at a couch in my ex-boss's office and <laughs> he was asking me questions about, he, he used to regard me very well, but he never asked me like this much of how to manage people, how to work with these people he's having so much trouble with certain people what to do about it how to inspire them the, mm -hmm. and I was just very calmly explaining from my experiences this is what I would do this is what I think would be beneficial and when I woke up from uh, that dream I was so clear it, because it didn't say in the dream write a book right. but I realized that I had all this experience and I've been through so many pain and hurdle by simply trial and error methods. Why not 
what I learned at the end of all that, put it in writing for the new generations, maybe take it with a grain of salt because everybody's experience is obviously a difference, but maybe it will, there will be something useful for them that they, know, they don't need to go through the, some of the heartaches that I've been through. So that's where it came from. That is awesome. And that you're so responsive to messages and open to it. But obviously you were very effective in the workplace. Why do you think you were effective? Or why do you think you were able to overcome the hardships? Because of yoga. And I can say that to you because of my practice. I think I was somebody, I was the only female leader in the boardroom at the workplace. And I had the largest department and my last job. And most interesting department was the design department, so very interesting characters. But <laughs> I think I was very calm and very nurturing mm-hmm. to my staff. And that came from finding calm and nurturance within myself, to find knowing, understanding myself, and having this like literally love blooming from me to any environment that I walk in. So, see, before yoga, I thought I had to be a certain persona at the workplace, especially as a woman. Right. You can imagine. No. You are also a corporate person. <laughs> Definitely. You have to be, like, almost operate like a man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to get the same respect. To get that respect. Absolutely. Right. And sometimes to be, like, heartless almost in certain situations. But I realized after my yoga journey and my practices, that doesn't need to be that way. I can be my whole self at the workplace right and I can still be as assertive as being me mm-hmm. and I still get things done and I get things done not out of fear like some of the managers right impose on their employees but out of love out of collaboration and partnership that is so that beautiful on. that is so beautiful <laughs> because when I first Thank talked you. to you I felt your calm energy immediately and when mm-hmm. I think about operating in an A-type environment in New York City as a calm and nurturing manager, that's unusual, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Because my daughters have been in intense jobs, and people do think they need to manage through fear and screaming to get results. And it actually has the opposite effect, but they don't realize it. Yeah, and the screamer is really, I always tell this to my clients, they are not screaming at you. They are screaming to themselves because they are so insecure and they don't know how to and they get frustrated. They don't have resilience to cope with. So they are basically lashing out for seeking help from outside, not really caring for what bridges they are burning and who they are killing on their path. Right. So it, this is all about self-development. This is all about nurturing your relationship with yourself. So don't take those people too seriously. They are just basically dealing with their own demons, I say. <laughs> I had a boss once that told me when he hired me, the first day he said, okay, I need you to fire these four people. <laughs> and I thought, oh, mm-hmm. that's a great way to start out your career. And so I said, let me just work with them and talk to them and see what's really going on. Because he would come up with these really bizarre reasons to fire them. And I thought, there's got to be something behind that. And Mm. I did meet with them. And it was really interesting that some of them were so fearful because of his style that they were frozen. Mm. Like they were scared to make a move. And 
even try. So it was really just letting people know that they have value and they mm, are safe so that they can take risks. I, I love what you said. Yes, I, safety is the first conditioning so, that needs to be. See, yes. this is something that I write in my book that even the highest levels of management positions in really amazing companies, public companies and so on, the managers get those positions because of the job that they do, not because the people skills that they have or how to manage or inspire people that they know. Right. So that's the problem. Nobody really teaches anybody how to be a manager. Mm -hmm. So it's very individual and it's really up to the, the manager how to really conduct themselves. Mm -hmm. I hope that it's changing a little bit now more. There's more trainings available. Uh, but to me, the most important training would be to uh, work on these skills, people's skills, developing how to be with other people, how to communicate, how to connect with others. Absolutely. So what do you say when you're in a work situation and you're smarter and more effective than your boss and they feel that mm -hmm. and they try to make your life hard? Usually, yeah, I've been in those situations. Yes, I'm sure. Um, I hear that from a lot of really superstar women. And I always say to yeah. them, do not dull your light because someone else is insecure. So what do you right. say? What I usually do in that situation is to connect with that person. Rather than rejecting that person, Mm -hmm. to connect with them because in connection you develop a certain trust with that person mm -hmm. they realize there's no competition here we are working for the same team and let's just benefit what we know collectively to get the job done here so it doesn't it's not about me it's not about you but it's about this job that's at hand that's a higher thing than both of us but let's just do it together hand in hand in that way, they they start relaxing. So that's the whole part. <laughs> Everything in life is about relaxing. Because once you release the ten tension in the situation, then once you relax, you can actually engage your higher faculties into mm -hmm. be more creative about solving problems. I don't know. I don't dim my light, and I don't tell them you are this sort. No, you just everybody has a value to put into and whatever their, they, their value is, I would still use that value in that situation. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you connect with them? What are little ways of connection besides talking to them? I do, uh, without letting them know, I do breath practices. <laughs> <laughs> with them? With them? <laughs> yes. So you know how when you talk with somebody who's very high energy and talking very speedily and they yes. don't breathe? Right. And um, I start really breathing deeper than normal. I start speaking slower. And then until we manage our energies to come to a certain place where they start breathing with you. Mm -hmm. That's a very subliminal way of connecting with someone. Once you start breathing in the same rhythm with someone, there's already this, because we are energy beings. Right. There's this vibration of energy all around us, within us, from us. And once we feel each other's energies and we can come to the same vibration, then there is already a connection starts to happen because now there's a listening happening. Mm -hmm. You start listening to one another better. 
And that's one way I do it. I also uh, talk to them. I was going to say behind their back, but uh, <laughs> basically <laughs> I, I start sending them messages. Like oh. in my mind's eye, I start talking to them about ideas, about situations, so that when I really speak to them, they are not hearing it for the first time. That is interesting. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> this is great advice. Did you ever have a really negative situation that you were ever able to turn around in the workplace? Yes. So the first thing comes to my mind, I was this difficult person in the workplace. He was a director of a department. I was a director of another department, but we had to work together. And these two departments are traditionally always not getting along departments. <laughs> and this person was particularly difficult. We're very egocentric and very me world and very, you were mentioning before, yeller, screamer and negative and try to put you down in front of people, try to find your weak points and point those. She, he was literally that kind of person. Mm -hmm. So first I was really resisting him. I was like so in my stuff and making him wrong, myself right and going over and over. And then I realized actually my teacher pointed out to me that what is it about you that he's touching that mm. you're triggered so much right and he and he said can you start seeing what is it about him that you might actually like and i was like i don't like anything about it it <laughs> took some work first to understand that certain things that he puts out there is also things that i don't like about myself like the perfectionism, the idea of that knowing things. And I started realizing, wow, I have some of that. And maybe mm. I don't do it that way, but I have it in, in me. And maybe they are hidden in me. That's why they need to come out. Mm -hmm. And then I start looking at what is it that I admire about this man? And I find a lot of things, actually, I admire his work ethic, his commitment, his wanting to do the right thing always. I was like, whoa, actually... I get it. I get why he's so frustrated. He wants perfection all the time from himself first. And he's frustrated. So I started basically looking at him with that new lens and start doing, of course, my breathing practices with him. Right. And we turned that relationship completely around to a point that this person uh, would not uh, be doing the practices that I would normally do. Or he wouldn't jo joke about me being a yogi. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I don't, that's not the word that I would describe myself, but that's a pretty high word. So I wouldn't use that. Right. But it was just basically like kidding around. He started asking me about how to meditate. And oh. he started. <laughs> so he's respecting you. Diet. Yeah, I yeah, love that. Yeah, from trying to put me down and alienate me and not include me to trying to adapt my practices and really be friendly with me. So we ended up having a really good partnership. And when I left, he was one of the people who was the saddest that I was leaving. That is, what would we do without you? So that was really lovely. Oh, that's a great story. It's really interesting when they when you can turn it around like that. I had a boss that was really intense, same thing, perfectionist, mm -hmm. went to Stanford and thought he was the smartest person at the company. And I remember he didn't like how the staff wanted to be around me. And so he would say things like, why don't you just go be a kindergarten teacher? <laughs> Wow. You know, to yes. insult you. Yes. But not that that I took it as a compliment because my mom was a kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. I knew what he was trying to do. But yeah. So how do you raise your vibration? 
People talk about raising your vibration. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, engaging our senses constantly with external is what's bringing our vibration down. Because let's be honest with each other, external has a low vibration. The right. material world in general has a low vibration. It starts with purifying your senses. For me, I eat very clean diet. I, I'm a vegetarian. I don't mean that everybody should be a vegetarian, but moderation, obviously. Mm-hmm. My diet is much more stricter than probably most. But to me, that's very important, what I intake into my body, because every type of food has its own vibration. Mm-hmm. So there is the sattvic food, we say it in yoga, is the food in the mode of goodness. There is rajasic food, the food in the mode of passion, or the food in the mode of dullness, laziness. So I try to eat sattvic goodness uh, when I consume. I pay attention to what I listen. I don't listen news media at all. Oh, and nice. I listen to, yeah, I read my Apple news to, to just be informed about the world and what's happening in the world news. But I do not indulge into listening hours of uh, news media. Mm-hmm. And I listen a lot of chanting. I listen a lot of spiritual podcasts, podcasts like yours, <laughs> that are just uplifting, really, not right. downgrading my mind. Right. I also pay attention to my environment. I light incense in the morning. I try to have very clean, very tidy environment because the clutter outside externally reflects the clutter in the mind. Right. So I try to release any clutter in my space, cleanliness of both mind, Mm. body, spirit pretty much. So it's all about the purification of the senses that helps raise the vibration. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, your experiences are matched by the vibration you give out. So it makes sense to... Take those type of steps to raise your vibration. I love that. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know? I do, aside from the personal coaching, yoga therapy, and uh, group classes, I also organize international retreats. To me, it's vital for anybody to take themselves out of their current environment, no matter what it is. Right. It could be the most beautiful environment, mm-hmm. but to take it from their regular routine elsewhere, usually a very healing spot, and immerse themselves into some of these practices that I mentioned. Clean eating, clean living, exercising, having some healthy discussions, um, engaging the mind and body on positive influences mm-hmm. to raise their vibration. And that only happens really when you really let yourself out of that current environment, it's almost like a shock. And then the system get, gets vibrated and then can gain this new energy to go back and create even better situation and even see their life slowly changing because I witnessed that. So I do these retreats. I organize them with my husband. And we do some magical retreats uh, in magical places of the world. And I encourage everybody to... Please take time off and rest and and engage the mind in positivity once in a while. I saw them on your website, and I definitely want to do that. That looked great. They really were. It would be a dream to have you. Oh, thanks. So tell us how our listeners can get in touch with you for more information if they have questions or want to use your services. Sure. They can approach me from just an email. It's B-A-S-A-K-S yoga, Bashak's yoga at gmail.com. 
I have a website. It's yogamaglobal.org, yoga, M-A, global.org, that uh, talks about my classes, my retreats, and uh, my book. My book, Uncomplicated, is available on Amazon currently. Yeah, that this is pr- pretty much how. I teach at Pure Yoga at New York City. If anybody is in New York City, please come take a class with me. Oh, that's great to know. So will you lead us in a short meditation? And I can play some relaxing music if you want, or you can just do it with your voice. Oh, that would be lovely. Of course. Let's do some music. Okay, let me just put it on. I'm just looking for my relaxing music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, here it is. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Take a comfortable seat. Bring the spine tall. Gently close your eyes. Feel the body sitting on the chair or the couch you're in. And let go of all the resistance to that space that you are seated on. Relaxing the body slowly parts by parts. Take your awareness to the toes. Silently suggest toes relax. Heels and ankles relax. Calves and knees release their tension. Upper thighs let go of the hold of the large muscles. Take the awareness to the pelvic floor. Front of the pelvis, glutes, low back. Relax. Release the tension in the entire back muscles. Middle back, upper back, shoulder blades. Let go. Fingertips to wrist, let the hands relax. Wrist to elbows to shoulders. Let the arm bones separate from the muscles. Release. Back of the neck steady. Head is completely still. Take the awareness to the whole body. Let the whole body become like a statue, immovable, stable. As the body becomes more and more still, now bring your awareness to the breath at the entrance of the nostrils. 
try not to control the breath. Simply become a witness. Notice the slight temperature change of the breath. Incoming air is slightly cooler. Outgoing air with the body's heat slightly warmer. Now with the eyelids closed, gaze into the eyebrow center and create a sun at the center of the eyebrow. You've all seen the sun. Recreate this ball of light right at the center of the eyebrows. The source of all energy. Now imagine there's a beautiful translucent tube reaching from the front of the eyebrows to the center of the head. As you inhale, you're breathing this ball of light from the front of the head to the back center of the head. As you exhale, light moves back to the front of the head, out to the universe. Inhaling slowly bright light from the center of the eyebrows to the back of the head. Exhaling bright light back to the universe. Continue with this visualization and your breath. Cleansing, purifying the mind space. Thank you, Bashak, for joining us. You're today. very welcome. We loved having you. Thank you. I love talking to you, Mary Kay.